A Weekend with Jason Dacey Replay from Money FM 89.3. Thanks for staying with us here on Money FM 89.3 with me, uh, Jason Dacey. We're in the company of Rob Gilby, the CEO and founder of Blue Hat Ventures, former managing director, Walt Disney Company, Southeast Asia, senior executive with 25 years experience across Asia, Pacific and Europe. Make you sound very old, don't I? It does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's uh, you know, we were colleagues at Disney for about four years, where I worked uh, working for ESPN, and you were the boss uh, there at Sandcrawler, uh, and it was a great experience. But I want to take you right back to the early days because, you know, we discussed when we were colleagues that you actually grew up on the Isle of Wight, which many Singaporeans would not be that familiar with. No, it's um, it's a tiny diamond-shaped island right off the bottom of uh, of the UK. <laughs> Sounds very exotic. It is. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful island, actually. A lot, a lot of history, a lot of interesting things that go on there. Yeah, because you were born in London. You went to the Isle of Wight, I think, around the age of six. You had all your schooling, you know, primary school and, and secondary school yep. in the Isle of Wight. I mean, what kind of uh, experience was that? Because I guess you must have felt a little bit isolated in some ways, even though you're not that far from, from southern mm-hmm. England. But it's not a typical upbringing, is it? No, I mean, it's, um, it was a rural area. It was, it's, uh, the Isle of Wight is essentially... Uh, a lot of farmland um, and a very popular holiday destination for Brits who don't necessarily want to go overseas for their holidays. So for for decades, it had been the place you go, you know, for your summer vacation. Right. And did you like, uh, you know, Disney characters and, and, you know, did you like entertainment at that time? What kind of kid were you? I did, actually. And, you know, it, it was ironic that I ended up at Disney years later because at the time, the first movie I ever saw in a movie theater was Star Wars and New Hope. Is that right? And I saw it on the Isle of Wight, actually. Really? Yeah. Tell us about that experience. So, I, I, you know, I was um, back then we were only just only just moved to the Isle of Wight. I was seven years old. Right. And, um, you know, we actually got to see that. And it's just, I'd never seen anything like this. I mean, I'd never been to a movie theater. Um, and then to You'd see... You'd never been to a movie theater? I'd never been to a movie theater. <laughs> you know, I was, I was seven years old. It was, it was the countryside. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And firstly, just the, the screens and the sound were mm. awesome. But then you can imagine Star Wars. And it was Star Wars. Your very first film. That is incredible. I know. And, um, and then we used to have like imported comic books. So I used to, you know, the Marvel books and, mm. and DC and, you know, I, I loved Spider-Man. I loved Hulk. Um, I used to Saturday, um, Saturday mornings and actually every morning before the, uh, the the morning shows on TV, I got a little black and white TV. That's how old, that's how old I am. <laughs> um, I used to watch the cartoons as well. And, um, and my, you know, I used to listen to, do you remember records, those things you used to put on a turntable? Of course, 33s. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I had... Um, um, Ben Necessities from the Jungle Book. Right. That was my favorite as oh, a kid. So yeah, I guess I was destined to be at Disney. Wow. Funnily enough, I do remember seeing Star Wars when I was growing up in Sydney, Australia, and it made a massive impact. It wasn't my first movie, but it was definitely one of the important ones of that, uh, my teenage years. Mm. So, you know, you actually had a different background to what I would have expected. Um, you've studied physics at the University of London. Yes. Why physics? You must well, have been smart. No, <laughs> no I worked hard. Um, <laughs> no, I, um, I come from, a, I guess, a family of scientists. My mum's got a physics degree. She used to edit scientific journals. My dad's a doctor, a cancer specialist. Uh, my brother was, uh, went on to study biology. So we were a kind of family of scientists. Um, but I always had that sneaking love of creativity. The Isle of Wight, one thing I was very good at was music. Ah, so right. our school had an eight-track recording studio. Um, right? You know, I used to, my hobby was writing songs as a kid. And so, so, you know, I followed the career track of physics, but I followed the, uh, the, the, the passion for music as just a hobby. So what did you have in your mind when you started uh, studying physics at the University of London in 1989? Well, 
I actually studied a joint degree of physics and computer science, mm-hmm. um, and I, I got really tired of debugging Pascal programs. <laughs> that's the old languages. Yeah. Um, in, a, in a dark room, and I thought that no, nothing's going to come of these computers. Actually, what did I know? <laughs> um, so I went to physics and management studies, and um, the management studies was actually great fun. I loved marketing. I loved you know the, the strategy courses we did, and I thought this is really fun. Why didn't Why didn't I know that when I went to college? So London University of London is very modular courses, so mm-hmm. it's quite easy to be able to shift. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so no, I really, I really set out with this great kind of physics background, and and then after that, I thought, okay, I need to, I need to do this business area, but I don't know much about it because I'm from a family of scientists, and I'd never really thought about accounting, but um, uh, I started looking at the, the the UK Chartered Accounting Qualification. Actually, has a bunch of really interesting business things. It has uh, business law. It has. Um, uh, strategy it has a bunch of things that really set you up for business. So I thought, what a good way of learning by going to lots of different businesses and looking at the financials. We're with Rob Gilby, CEO and founder of Blue Hat Ventures, former managing director, Walt Disney Company, Southeast Asia. So that, yeah, look, I think I've said to you before that becoming an accountant or becoming a lawyer is a fantastic foundation for the next step. And in many ways, I wish I'd done that because uh, it just opened so many doors to you. So what was your thinking, you know, getting that accountancy qualification? Well, when I first started it, I thought, um, what better way to go in and out of so many different businesses mm-hmm. than to go and, you know, be an accountant and an auditor. And part of the role of auditing, it doesn't, I know it doesn't sound exciting. Believe me, I went to parties and said, <laughs> I've got a physics degree and I'm an accountant. It didn't usually generate a lot of interest. <laughs> there was but, crickets in the background. Yeah, it was. <laughs> People turned and walked away. Um, but... Actually, auditing is a great skill set mm. for analyzing things, looking at them. So I learned to look at financials and read them. And I used to ask, as part of the audit process, you had to actually ask questions. What, why, did, why did that go up? Why did that change? And that process is a really useful tool for, for later, later business roles, which was like, okay, how do we grow this business? What do we do? How do we build audiences? The same kind of techniques. So it was a ba- great um, background. And also the accounting firms, and this happened a little later when I worked with Pricewaterhouse and moved to Hong Kong, um, they had an industry group. And so I spent time not just doing those same basic auditing accounting skills, but for entertainment and media companies like Reuters or ad agencies like Interpublic Group or um, Sony Music. Mm. Um, and that that became, you know, I think I started fueling a passion to say, okay, I really love this industry sector. I love the companies. Um, what more can I do? Um, we used to do transactions. So we'd look at the accounting on the transaction and supporting a, the, the analysis. And, and then it was like, okay, I really want to be part of this industry. So with Pricewaterhouse, uh, that, I guess, led you to Asia indirectly, right? Yes. So I'd, I'd had, some, I had a, um, a number of Hong Kong friends at university, and I had the chance to visit. Um, that's a long time ago. It was 1990, I think. Wow, wow. And I that's went up to Sunjun in 1990. Oh, Sunjun. What was that like in 1990? They hadn't finished building the roads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally, we were driving along days. and the road stopped and we carried on <laughs> on the dirt track. Um, but it was, it was amazing because there was such a... Uh, such a can-do attitude, and there mm. was such a, an optimism. I'm like, I have to come back. So I, with the, with the accounting firm, I, got, I came back, and then that they had a platform to kind of support the growth of this particular industry across the region. And I think uh, not long after that, you joined Turner around 2000, and we, we were actually colleagues then. You know, we didn't realize it till many years later. I was uh, working at CNN as a sports presenter for right. CNN International. You were in Hong Kong with Turner at the same time. Uh, so tell me about that role, business development, right? Yeah, I had a strategy in business development, and then I went on to the entertainment network to run marketing, and I set up production for them in India. Um, it was an amazing time. Um, you'll remember that you know the, the television industry was evolving towards – 
pay TV industry, similar to the way it's evolving towards streamers now. Mm. Pay TV was very strong back then. Yeah, it's very strong. And and Turner was one of the pioneers because CNN, I mean, Ted Turner mm. himself was pushing the boundaries and CNN was a, a new innovative model. Cartoon Network was really pioneering a lot of the kids' business in, in the region. And so um, it was a really fun time to try and enter new markets, trying to get the channels uh, launched into China, um, trying to stay ahead in, in India. We launched a kids' channel in India to preempt Disney. I didn't know I'd be working Disney later. <laughs> Is that right? I didn't yeah. know that. And I, you know, we did some really fun things. Um, we, we created the Indian version of Sesame Street, Gully Gully Simpson. <laughs> Brilliant. And we spent a lot of time with Sesame Workshop understanding their principles, mm. their educational goals, and in India, understanding the unmet needs. And so it's just a really, really fun time where we felt that, you know, we were building. Anything was possible. With Rob Gilby, CEO and founder of Blue Hat Ventures, managed uh, Walt Disney Company Southeast Asia for six years. And this is where the Disney comes into it after that time at Turner. Yeah. I guess it had set things up nicely for you to really take the next step. You know, you had the accountancy background, you'd had the exposure in Asia, you'd been from the UK. So joining Disney, what happened? How did that happen? So as you rightly said, I'd gone through all the different roles and strategy, and then I'd had a a really nice chance to do marketing and production, which is a creative part, which I never would have thought I was ever going to be able to do. And I was looking for something to bring it all together. And just luckily, somebody approached me about a job in the UK. I hadn't really thought about going back. I mean, I would visit the UK regularly, but I hadn't thought about going back. You were loving Asia, right? I was loving Asia. I still mm. love Asia. Mm. Mm. Um, but uh, someone said, would you come and run Disney Channel for the UK and some other markets, Scandinavia and some other emerging markets? And like running Disney Channel at that time was, you think about it, it was just an amazing opportunity. So I went back to the UK and I called them the high school musical years. <laughs> right. Because yes. I launched high school musical one and two into the UK. Mm-hmm. I met all the cast. Oh, how exciting. It, Zac Efron when he was dreaming really? of bigger movie things. What was he like? Hutchins. He was always, a, they, they, were, they were really nice kids. Mm. It sounds very patronizing mm-hmm. if I say they were kids. But they, mean, were, yeah. they were young. They were just, it was the first time they were breaking out on such a big scale. But they were young and enthusiastic, but super talented, super, super talented. And then we also brought uh, Miley Cyrus to the UK. Miley Cyrus. To Hannah Montana. <laughs> So it was a couple of years, but Mm. it was actually a very, very exciting couple of years. And we launched a Disney Channel in other markets like Poland and South Africa. Mm. So it was really, really fun to have such a powerful brand and also try to make it relevant to everybody. And the music was such a key part of that. So we, we, we... helped our music groups, the music group at Disney, sell CDs, even at a time when teenagers were ripping illegal copies, but they still sold CDs. We sold more CDs than Robbie Williams and Lily Allen. That's a great achievement. So we had fun. Yeah, so that uh, role transitioning to what you did with uh, Disney Southeast Asia, Mm -hmm. how did that happen? So there was a bridge in between that. So after doing that in the UK, I worked with some global colleagues who said, look, we've got these amazing movies, TV shows, and channels, but we need to distribute them more effectively around the globe. And will you come back to Hong Kong and will you distribute for all of Asia? Um, And there were these emerging digital platforms. So what now are streamers, but they were SVOD platforms. So cable or IPTV, the telcos Mm. were getting into entertainment and how do we provide these entertainment services? So Rob, come back, sit in Hong Kong and distribute into China, into Australia, into India, find new ways of getting our shows out there. And there were some amazing markets um, doing amazing things at that time, like Korea. We actually, back in 2008, we licensed full-length movies in high definition to mobile services. That's a long time ago doing that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so, yeah. So that was early the, days. So yeah. that was the bridge. And in doing that, we were doing very well in Southeast Asia. And Disney was looking around the globe to say, how can we bring our global brand experience to markets that are less familiar? And they started integrating all of Disney's businesses under a single territory head. So film, 
the films into theaters, TV, consumer products. And so they said, look, Southeast Asia hasn't been done, but Rob, help me build the story. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And that, that's a great uh, opportunity for you. So how did you build that story? Well, I'd had some experience, but I realized that other parts of the business that I, I hadn't actually had as much exposure to. So I sat down with the people in those parts of the business and gathered the information. And we tried to find a theme that would make it compelling. I mean, you can make the decision to do it, but if it's not compelling, why would people support it? Mm-hmm. And we realized that this region with, with all the territories, there's 650 million people. 60% under 30. So there was this massive emerging middle class. They have spending power. And when you get spending power for the first time beyond your necessities into leisure and entertainment, you're looking for something really, really fun. And Disney's brands should really fit that. Plus, there are amazing partners to work with. Companies that have been in that market could reach millions, tens of millions. So one of the goals we set ourselves was to... Um, I, I was a kid growing up on all the Disney experiences, but many of the kids here hadn't. So our goal was to kind of make kids laugh and smile and really reach them and spur that next generation of Disney super fans. Yeah, and we spoke about, uh, you know, your experiences leading uh, Walt Disney Company Southeast Asia, another segment. But, you know, when you look back on that and you know, the thing that you're most proud of of that time being the managing director, what would you say it was? I think I'm probably most proud of uh, the teams that we left in place in country. I mean, we built an amazing regional team here in Singapore, but Disney was very fragmented, doing amazing things, but just fragmented. And because of that, we didn't really become the Indonesian Walt Disney Company. We were Mm. Walt Disney Company Mm. Indonesia, Mm. Mm -hmm. you know. And so Mm. we hired some amazing people. And what that means is at a local level in these countries, people own the stories and characters. It's theirs now. It's their childhood, their memory. They'll take that with them. The business grew massively, but that wasn't the first goal. The first goal is create these experiences create the super fans for tomorrow, and they will translate that into the monetary growth. And when you left uh, Disney after six years leading them and many more years uh, in the company in general, uh, what was it like taking that next step and going into a rather uncertain world? Yeah, I think um, it was it was a double double whammy, actually, because mm. you leave a, a company that has such a strong brand and culture and identity that you've been so proud of representing for a long time, and at a time when the industry is going through such a transformation. Yeah. Um, but I'm an eternal optimist. Um, so I looked at this as what a great opportunity. I hadn't had more than two weeks off between jobs in the 20 plus years, as you mentioned, <laughs> that I've been doing this. Um, and so it was a great chance to look at it fresh. Um, I got to spend some time with some startups. I've done some seed investing um, and in the investment community who are trying to invest in that next big thing. Um, and I had a chance to sort of talk to people who have built businesses already but want to go to the next level. And it's kind of quite invigorating to say, okay, um, embrace the technology, see this as an opportunity, and how do we broaden, you know, how do we take the lessons I've learned in media and entertainment and bring that to a wider consumer technology experiences kind of uh, sectors. So there's, it's a really exciting time, actually. How do we find out more about uh, Blue Hat Ventures? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> and then if you connect, connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm, I'm always open to some great new ideas. And what an incredible journey you've had from that seven-year-old in the Isle of Wight <laughs> seeing your first ever film, Star Wars, yep. to where you are now. Yeah. I'm not going to say how many years later, but it's <laughs> a significant amount of time later. Yeah, no, and I think um, that's the other part. You know, I set out and I wanted to do things, but I didn't know what. And I always just kept looking what's next, what's next. And when you look back, you go, how did, I, how did that happen? <laughs> uh, a series of little bunny hops. And when it, you look at it as a path, you, you feel very grateful. Actually, I feel very grateful. You know, as a kid growing up in the Alawai, you don't know some of these things are even possible. And so you count your blessings sometimes, even if things don't work. And trust me, things don't work a lot of the mm. time. But you look back and go, 
this has been an amazing experience. I've been very lucky and fortunate to go on that journey. So yes, I, I'm enjoying it, and I've got lots more I still want to do. Yeah, for sure. And a guy that did physics and accountancy, you've done <laughs> extremely well, Rob. Been an absolute pleasure having you on Money FM. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jason.